It's your man Headcrack checking in with you. And I want to cordially welcome you to my podcast it's called After Hours. Now, this episode right here, I call this the free throw episode. We just practicing, we just warming up, throwing a little something out there for the universe. Now, at the time I made this, new movie just came out, Tupac, All Eyes on Me. And I got a chance to sit down and talk to the cast of the film. Uh, you had uh, Demetrius Ship Jr., Cat Graham, and Jamal Gravy Woollett, who reprised his role as a notorious B.I.G. Now, there was a lot of people saying things about the movie, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, I want to introduce you to the people who are playing the parts. First up, we got Demetrius Ship Jr. and Cat Graham. Check it out. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Yo, man. <laughs> like, I mean, this is the movie that the internet has been talking about even since the first trailer. Like, I mean, and like, mm. it's a story people have been wanting to see told for a long time. Absolutely. Cat Graham, you play Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Pinkett. At the time, right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> and, uh, and you play a young Tupac all the way up to the time of his passing. Yes, sir. Uh, the casting. Uncanny, like I mean, like I'm sitting here talking to you, and you look like Juice Era Tupac right now, <laughs> minus the Gumby. That's funny. Minus the Gumby. Yeah, we had a lot man. of fun with the Gumby. Remember? Oh my God, remember I hated building the that. Gumby? No, listen, I hated that. <laughs> we would have to sometimes change eras multiple times in a day because we'd be shooting multiple yeah, scenes, that was and terrible. he'd like be in the chair with the Gumby, and then have to go bald. And you know what's just, funny like, about the Gumby is that actually, like some of the extras. They thought that that was actually my hair. So when I took it off, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the day, yeah, they did a great job on that great wig. Great job. Man, hopefully we could be able to buy those like in stores. You know, nah, like, people like, you know, like, <laughs> nah, so man, that, that was like custom built Gumby. Yeah, that drone was expensive too. And Cat, like, you know, from the scenes I've seen in the trailer, real acting is happening because you look just like a young Jada Pinkett. In the trailer, like, and then and my I'm head's gonna get really okay, big. Yeah. No, but looking at you I'm now, like, yes, I know. I you, look don't just look, like her. you don't look like her at all. Like now that I'm looking at you in yeah. person, but in the movie, they did a hell of a job of selling it. Yeah, we wanted uh, LT, the producer, and, and Benny Boom, you know, and I. We wanted to be really meticulous um, with the hair, and I've been a big fan of Jada. I, I grew up watching her, so yeah. I, it was especially important for me, and I wanted to honor this relationship that they had, and and her, and uh, just do it right. So we spent a lot of time just talking about the hair. Now, for anybody who spent any time on social media after the movie was released, you found out that Jada Pinkett Smith actually was not here for the portrayal of herself in the All Eyes On Me movie. Now, she took to social media and said, forgive me. My relationship to Pac is too precious to me for scenes in All Eyes On Me to stand as truth. Pac never said goodbye to me before leaving for LA. He had to leave abruptly and it wasn't to pursue his career. I've never been to any of Pac's shows by his request. We never had an argument backstage. And it was like a poem that Pac read to her at one point. She went to say about that. Pac never read me that poem. I didn't know that poem existed until it was printed in his book. But she did go on to big up the cast of the film. She said to Cat Graham and D. Ship Jr., this is no fault of yours. Thank you for bringing so much heart and spirit to your roles. And the crazy thing is like, you know, after having seen the movie, after I did these interviews, there really wasn't much to be mad about. But anytime you do a biopic, everything ain't going to be 100 percent like, the, you know, the conversations ain't going to be exactly the way they played out in real life, especially when you're dealing with people that are either a no longer here or b unable to be accessed. But I digress. Here's the rest of the conversation. I love the 90s, you know, so I've always been a big fan of all of her movies. I, I you know, for me, I'm fortunate that where I had a huge um, surplus of, of interviews of of magazines, of childhood photos, videos where she's talking about Pac and, and all this stuff to kind of pull from and also the work that I, I did with my coach Ivana. We just kind of broke it down and found ways to personalize her and and uh, and, and embody um 
the woman that is Jada Pinkett. Now, Demetrius, uh, like in addition to not only looking like Tupac, your father, Demetrius Ship Sr., actually worked with Tupac? Yeah, my father produced uh, Toss It Up for Tupac. That was the joint off that Machiavelli yeah, album with yeah, Casey yeah. and JoJo. <laughs> right, he produced and wrote, the, and wrote the verse for Danny Boy. Say a word. Yeah. Do you feel any pressure? Because this is like your first film. Man, I have to be honest, man. Like, this experience is right and how it's all coming to pass and, like, working out. The pressure is kind of, like, really off at this point. And I've, I put the, like, there was pressure even, the pressure at the beginning was for me to get the role. Right. All right. Because I was like, I said that I can do it. I told myself that I can do it. And I worked all this time. I put these years in to try to, you know what I'm saying, be the guy to get the role. And so that was the pressure, you know, and then I did everything that I could in convincing the studio, you know, LT Hutton, that I can make this happen. And so once I got to set, you know, my well, my acting coach, Angela Gibbs, I was confident, you know, because I had her, I had LT, you know, and the whole team and like they they loved it. So it's like, cool, let's just work. And we all had the same mindset that we have to deliver the best on this Pac movie. It can't be the world will not accept a mediocre no. You know, Tupac movie. Yeah, so he's like a we, superhero. Yeah, exactly. So, so what was it that pushed it over the top for you? Like, what was the thing you did where it was like, you know what, you're the guy? Um, I think it had to be. I learned that whole MTV. Not yeah, it was the MTV Christmas uh, interview. It's like eight minutes and some change, and I learned it word for word, all the mannerisms, the whole thing, and I sent that in to Morgan Creek, and I think that might have kind of pushed him in a direction for me. I want to see that. I'm not going to show you. Yeah, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yeah, I know. As a bonus uh, something, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, before this, you worked at Target, right? I worked at Target, Dish Network, Sam's Shout Square, out. Sears. I, I used to be T-Ray and Khaki, too. Which apartment you worked at? <laughs> you said what? You was in the Target? Yo, I, I worked on the front lanes. I was a front lane supervisor. <laughs> I was also the PBX operator in the back. I worked at customer service, and I spent like a week in soft lines. Oh, man. you was. I was uh, going to the I wrong was Target. Over, uh, I was overnight, so I did the stocking. Stock room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. It was cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I had the good hours, but that was cool, because I worked... I was like 18 and I worked like a year straight with no weekends. I worked Thursday to Tuesday at Target like overnight. Like did you ever like have a regular gig prior to no, getting into no. the No. She been a she been a star her whole life. No, oh. that's not true. I was actually really broke when I booked Vampire Diaries. I was like sleeping on um my mom's floor in a one bedroom apartment in Hollywood at 86 cents to my name but I was like so stubborn I refused to have a job and then when I first booked Vampire Diaries I had like I slept on an inflatable mattress in uh, like an apartment off of like like you know by like Howell Mill and that mm -hmm. whole area because yeah. you know we shot here in Atlanta for eight years and I, I was like sure I was going to get killed off the show because you know I was the only black girl you know so <laughs> I was like so I stayed in, I stayed in, you know in this like on this inflatable mattress my only furniture you know so I could just deflate it and you know hit the hit the ground back to LA if I needed to but I actually winded up you know finally my some of my cast members were like girl you, you we, got, we gotta get you a bed like this ain't gonna work um, so no I totally understand but I spent more time just broke struggling and stubborn you know I probably should have should have had a job. Not being broke, that's <laughs> character, man. Like you know, some of the greatest nah, inventions come from being broke. Certainly. You know, you think the guy who made the first peanut butter sandwich wanted to? <laughs> he had to figure something out. <laughs> right. I never thought of that. Yo, so let's talk about the film, man. Like, there's a lot of pivotal mo pivotal. There's a lot of pivotal, pivotal moments in like you know Pac's life, and as well as I guess with the relationship with him and Jada. Like, what was the toughest scene for both of you guys individually to film? 
Um, like working on a movie. Well, Go ahead, I, well, I think that um, Demetrius and I, we really cared so much about this film that we wanted to make sure every scene was meticulously done. So we rehearsed together and we spent a lot of time, you know, even on our own, just working on this stuff. So I don't think any scene was necessarily easy um, in terms of the work. But I would say that, you know, because of our bond, our natural bond, which was just kind of took me by surprise because we just yeah, became real. instant friends, like instant friends. And never, uh, yeah, we like really were instant like friends. instant friends. <laughs> like it was the most bizarre thing ever. Um, we just had each other's back the entire time. I mean, some of the stuff that I saw, like new trailers that are being shown are like, we were just riffing, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. We were just going. So, you know, um, having each other's back really, you know, took uh, a lot of the pressure off, I, I, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then for, she's great. You know what I'm saying? She just gave me a whole lot of just insight on this because for me it's i'm a newcomer so right. you know she's uh, you know been doing this for a while so i learned a lot from her and she had my back and um it really was like a friendship though so uh, even though on camera it was it was genuine it was you know it, it it was you know acting but it was really like a genuine thing for us there um and then for me like the recreation of tupac things that you could actually go see you know like the out of the courtroom scene the, the press interview like that was a, a, a day where I'm like okay we gotta get this right also like the juice scene we did the juice scene uh, the locker yeah. and the juice you know what I'm saying so that one I was like anxious about it and you know what I'm saying <laughs> borderline nervous but you know getting in the rhythm and doing that stuff it was always for me like I know I can't do this stuff it's just like let's get to it and then once I got like one or two takes in I'm like boom let's go right in, right now I'm ready keep it, keep it rolling right so yeah. like, overall what do you think the message of this film that you think the fans should walk out of there like you know with that's hard to say because he was so many different things to so many different people and so many people are going to want to see different stories they want they're going to want to see death row they're going to want to see jada they're going to want to see kadada they're going to want to see afeni you know so there's so many different things that people are going to walk away um with i feel like everyone's going to walk away with with whatever they they wanted to be honest mm. it's a really um cohesive body just, of his life i just want people that don't have a, a, a true understanding of who he was to gain that you know what i'm saying there's just there's a lot of myths and there's some stuff that you understand the controversial stuff that was going on but you don't understand what was going on behind that you don't understand right. why he made these choices what was you know causing him to do certain things so um if you love him for the being the poet if you love him for being a rapper or whatever because certain people just have him for this i want you to to walk out loving him as a total just like oh my god Pac I understand the story I love his life his journey who he was uh, how he was raised and the man he became to be just I, I love the whole thing mm -hmm. when you come through as a character actor mm -hmm. and they see the chops and see that you can pull off so many people it's kind of yeah. dope to be in that position be like even Denzel Washington like he got cast to play like a bunch of people where yeah. like at first you're like I don't think I can see him as Malcolm X until you see Malcolm X and you're like that's yeah. all you see now yeah. Demetrius can do anything I mean I, I think a lot of people might you know see you like your first timer but you know what like the kind of work that I saw personally on set and an offset of him putting into this character and I know he'd do that for everything that he does mm. like he, he's unstoppable he especially do anything. you know given the time frame that it happened because for me i got picked literally like not even a month before i started shooting That's which true. is not even like the custom you know what i'm saying so i got i got the call november 18th and on november uh december 17th i was shooting Yelling action. so the time to be able to be like okay i have it i got it locked in the bag 
and I know what I'm going to do and to be able to rehearse and put some real work into whatever character it may be and to bring my own dynamic and, you know, thing to it, that'll be great. So what do you guys personally think happened at the end of Tupac's life? Like far as like, you know, with the situation where he got killed. Who do you think, like in your personal opinions, who was behind it? Oh, I won't even. Um, I won't say who I think. I, I don't really I'm, have an honest opinion on who I think. What I will say is, it's very unfortunate, and I think that there is something certainly wrong with the fact that this man was was killed on Las Vegas Boulevard right. after a, a Tyson fight at the prime. This is, you know what I'm saying? And there's no witnesses, no nothing, no suspects at all. You know what I'm saying? Still, 21 years later, there's no answers to Tupac's murder. Right. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Something there is is, is wrong. It's and it, it seems Definitely like off. it's purposely... You know what I'm saying? Like being hidden or, or you know, yeah, like I mean, some, something yeah. to that. I don't know. I won't even get into my own yeah, conspiracy because yeah. I've called him in the middle of the I night with my conspiracies theory. and <laughs> we're not going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was having a conversation <laughs> with somebody earlier today. I feel like even, in, the, in, the, in the social media world that we live in now, Tupac and Biggie would have been alive because right. they would have just like, they would have just talked recklessly back and forth. Had a nice... Twitter fight. They would have had a fight on Twitter. No, Instagram. they wouldn't have did that. A couple nah. disrespectful No, nah, they wouldn't have done that. They kept it pushing. Nah, you, know, nah, and, nah. you know what? And this is what people say. Like, even with Tupac and those controversial things that was going on the East Coast, West, uh, you know, people often say, oh, Tupac would have never did this and would have never did that. First of all, you don't know what he would have done 20 years later. He was a man that was constantly growing and evolving and wanted to change. And you know what I'm saying? Like, even with the mistakes that he made, he always tried to make right of those. So, I... I 100% believe that a lot of the things that was going on back then would have he would have evolved through those and it wouldn't have been an issue like people trying to make it seem like it was you know what I'm saying or it still would be now Aww. you guys I know you did extensive work and dug in the trenches to get your characters down so uh -oh. we're gonna play this game called I Got Five on it I'm gonna ask you a question you have 10 seconds to give me five things from within that category okay oh, this is this no. is easy no, I don't know no don't we have another interview just, don't we have to go <laughs> this is mad easy don't you got that thing I gotta you know oh, what? Right, that thing. Yeah, for sure. Y'all ready? No, good. <laughs> you, you got this. You got this. This is Kate. Can we, okay. Cat Graham, who plays. Hold on. <laughs> There'll be no cheating. <laughs> oh, no. We play a game together. There's going to be cheating. Okay, let's go then. Y'all got to help each other out, but All you right, still cool. got 10 seconds. That's change nothing. All right, so Cat, you play Jada Pinkett Smith in the movie. Now, Jada Pinkett Smith has two wonderful children by the name of Willow and Jaden, right? With that being said, name five Jada Pinkett movies. Go. Okay, she's in uh, Girls Trip, which is coming out in theaters everywhere. Woo, The Matrix, The Nutty Professor, set it off. Whoa, right at the buzzer, right at the buzzer, yeah. you pulled it off. I don't talk very quickly. No, nah, no, nah, you, you did it though, you pulled it off. <laughs> I, I was nervous for you, I was nervous. I don't like to rush. I, one point for Kat. Uh, uh, Demetrius, you can either tie the game or you can lose it for all the fellas out there. I might just defer and let her win. Nah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> we gonna see you go out on top, or at least tied. All right. All right. All right. You did a lot of extensive research on Tupac, and Tupac mm -hmm. made a lot of great movies. Uh, there was Juice. There was Bullet. There was Gridlock. There was uh, Gridlock. Gridlock was a great film. With that being said, give me five solo Tupac songs. Go. Oh, All Eyes on Me. Uh, I get around. Ambitions of a rider changes. Uh, dear Mama, California Love. 
Oh, wait, you said solo. Two of those songs were not solo. Oh. I get around feature digital underground and money being California uh, love. But you, you know what? You get you get half a point uh, for knowing the songs. You right, name right. six. So you know what? You guys are tied. It is what it is. Cat, you leave? You, you get? You took your shoes no, off? I, no. Okay. I used my purse fell. Okay. No, I said California love. You said I, I didn't. I said California love. So he should get all the points. Okay, that's because I up. gave him that. I gave him. A one. Man, yeah. I like y'all together, like the real Tupac and Jada. Can that be a thing? You have no idea. <laughs> Can that we be a thing? We are behaving ourselves right now. We act a fool. They keep putting us on the morning news. It's a hot mess. I love it. I she's, love it. She's hilarious. Let us find out in a couple months that this is a thing. We endorse this. We stamp this union. I will tell you this, though. I seen her walking in with that dress today. I was like, whoa, she working for sure this morning. She got it going. Oh. Do you volley that compliment with another? No. <laughs> you're not, not, not starting that <laughs> but no she's awesome man I love you know being what? Her. I love this man he's just so amazing to work nah, with he's such a great friend and I'm just like I really am honored to yeah. be on this journey with you I really am she's great oh, man especially cause like we, we like I said and she said we really like hit it off as friends like from the jump it was crazy like and the crazy thing is like the whole outfit thing was, was we, crazy it was this weird. is actually for the promo tour the first time we haven't accidentally worn matching outfits the first time we met yeah. when we were wearing the exact like, same long, outfit when literally. we met when we first met. And by the way, when I first met you, I didn't know I had the role of Jada. Benny mm. was introducing me to everyone as this is our Jada. And that's how I found out. Yeah, I didn't me even neither. know. I didn't get a phone call. <laughs> I just entered his like dressing room. He was working with the, his acting coach. And I was wearing like this long sleeve, I think, like blue, dark blue thermo like sweater with black jeans with wheat tims, and I had on a thermo blue sweater, dark blue black jeans, wheat tims. And let me tell you, it was oh, so man. weird. <laughs> it was so weird. And then that cat. first, that, it's a picture that that got out on the internet, and everybody they thought actually, that we were like a, in character. And no, no we that's was just how we. Yeah. That's like our first. But, but cat, I think let they me tell you, in the movie too. No guy remembers exactly what a woman was wearing the first yeah. time he's seen that woman if he's not <laughs> interested. I'm, Here they go. Uh, Y'all are fishing. <laughs> what kind of show is this? You guys are yeah, the whole show is based on that. Man, I, I hope this it. is the yeah. beginning of a very long journey for both of y'all, man. Thank you. All eyes on me is the movie. Be sure you see it. Man, appreciate it. Now, also from the movie All Eyes on Me, I got a chance to talk to Jamal Gravy Willett, who reprises his role as the Notorious B.I.G. Now, for those who missed it previously, he was also in the movie Notorious, where he played Notorious B.I.G. And he has another project called Labyrinth, which he'll talk to you about, which he also plays Notorious B.I.G. Hey, man, if you're good at something, keep rocking. Check it out. What's up, my brother? How you? Man, can't complain, man. You you on lap number two with this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the acting bug bit you a few years ago. Right. You ain't got the cure yet. You still hit you still get into the movies. Yeah, we were still working. Got another one in the books, man. Yeah, yeah. Big up to um Benny Boom, LT Hutton, and Dave Robson. Excellent movie in D ship. Obviously, people are gonna make comparisons to the notorious film, right? All eyes on me film. You know, like what do you learn about I guess both characters that you didn't necessarily learn about them in the first movie. I mean, obviously, Notorious was mostly about Biggie, and this right. one's more Pac leaning. But you know, is it a, a, a balanced telling? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they were friends before anything else. I think that was the biggest part that I like about it. You know what I'm saying? So when people go see the movie, they'll see a lot of jewels in there. You know what I mean? They'll learn a lot from Tupac. I didn't know you smoked that much. Really? Yeah, I, I never like knew actual that. cigarettes or yeah. weed. I mean cigarettes, but I never knew you smoked that much. That was something that I didn't know. Word. Now, and even like going back to the Notorious film, because I remember like you know being able to uh, see uh, some of the press screenings. Mm -hmm. Like there were scenes that never were seen again. Not even on like the bonus cut. Like there was a scene where like Tupac and Biggie like fought somebody at a pool hall, 
And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Does that scene pop back up or like an alternate version of that scene? Because obviously it's two different actors now. Like, yeah, where did nah, that even come other, from? Yeah, nah, it's a whole nother lane with the Tupac, you know, All Eyes on Me, man. It's a beautiful piece, man. It's 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 historical. It's uh it's big, man. It's amazing, man. I mean, I'm just happy to be a part of both. So, you know what I'm saying? That's that's big for me. So was your approach different this time around? Because, I mean, you got quite a few I was young, movies. Big. Yeah, I mean, I was young, big in this one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was young, big in the other one, too, but I was more of the the dark side of big on this one. Got you. You know what I'm saying? So that was a good look. But then we wound up doing um, Labyrinth After with Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker. Now, but, that one is based on a book, right? That's based on Russell Poole, the head detective for LAPD, doing an uh, investigation of Biggie Smalls and, and uh, Tupac Shakur. Gotcha. So I kind of landed that one with Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker. That was big for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, just looking at the, you know, the tail of the tape, I mean, like from 2009 on, I mean, like it seems like you popping something, you know, like every year. I'm it's trying. I'm movie. slow grinding. I'm slow grinding. I'm not there yet. I'm still humble spirit. I'm always going to be that. You know what I mean? Just a work in progress. Slow grind. Now, you know, like for people who don't know before, like, you know, the whole acting thing, music was a heavy part of your, your yeah, DNA yeah, and who still you mess are. Around. I st I'm still gravy. We just finished the video with uh, Kiara. Kiara Shante. It was nice. You know, she got me on the feature on there. I appreciate that so well, much. So, like, if, if you, like, had the ability to pick one or the other and go hard with it, like, you know... Which one would you pick overall? Or like, do you, do, you, do you find acting more fun than doing music? Or is I, it just... I found, I, you know, I mean, I love rapping. You know, I love being gravy, but I also love being Jamal too. So, you know, um, I think I'm going to chase acting way harder than rap, but I still rap all the time. You know, I just have fun with it. I don't take it serious as I used to. And that's the cool thing about like hip hop now. Like, you know, before like people used to like, you know, kind of release music. You had to Like it was like Your yeah. livelihood That's where all the money came from yeah. Now with streaming and everything It's like you kind of do it Just to kind of keep yourself In the culture But it's still money Your money is in the shows So it's True. Still, still plenty money <laughs> You know You got a lot of artists Getting plenty money You know Big up to the amigos And you know Yachty and all of them You know They getting plenty of paper So you know I love it still Beyond this movie The next thing that's coming out What are we looking for? Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Absolutely. It's kind of cool to be able to like to play the same guy a few times because like your yeah. approach is different each time, right? We got something bigger than that coming. It's called uh, Spread the Word. It's in, it's, in, it's in progress. It's about to be greenlit. So big up to Jeff and uh, big up to Phil. Spread the word to be out too. We can really work on that. Word up. Now big up to the homie Jamal Gravy Willard, man. And uh, you know, aside from this movie, it's always cool to be able to talk to people who actually were around the people that were like involved in these biopics. And one of those people was Greg Nice from the legendary group Nice and Smooth, who actually spent a lot of time being around Tupac towards the end of his life. They was even working on a little project together called One Nation, featuring a whole bunch of artists. Uh, you know, Bootcamp Click, uh, Big Daddy Kane, just naming a few. Now he has tons of amazing Tupac stories. Actually, Greg Nice has stories just about, about anybody. That dude's like R2-D2. He's been around. But here's a story he told me one day about him, Tupac, and B.I.G. just kicking it on some regular schmegler. I used to smoke a lot of marijuana. <laughs> I haven't did it in four years. It's a fuma. Yeah, it's a fuma. And, uh, I was, it was a time I was at the Universal Hilton Hotel in, in California. And uh, everybody always want to come to my room and hang out. All the artists, everybody want to come to my crib. Wherever I'm at, they want to hang out because they know it's always the chronic there. Mm -hmm. So I'm in there and I'm rolling up. I got the 50 boxes of Dutchess. I'm rolling up. It's me, my man Dan Smalls, uh, Tupac, and Biggie. And we all sitting in my room getting smoked out. 
to the point where Tupac just got his first little house. And uh, we all left, jumped down and went in the Jeep, went to Pac crib. We at the crib. Pac goes in the back. He pulling out all kind of guns and sh showing us everything. Yo, I got this gun. I got that gun. He put the grill out. We started grilling, cooking chicken, doing that, steaks and everything. And we was in a circle and we was rhyming and whatnot. And Biggie kept telling me, yo, Greg, yo, come on, just rhyme. I just love to hear your voice, man. I love how your voice sounds. Just, just say a rhyme. Just say a rhyme. We sat there and I started rhyming, and we had a great time from there on, man. Yeah. Um, like when he passed, like did was Pac mad directly at Biggie, or was he just mad at the overall situation? Uh, all he told me, like you know, he told me what had happened to him in New York, and he mentioned some people to me, and I know them same people too, and um, he was he was upset. Just due to the fact, because he said that uh, those guys, he introduced them to them guys mm -hmm. that he had that altercation with. And he said, you know, he knew what they was about and he ain't tell me nothing. And once things started happening, he ain't come around me no more. So gotcha. I had this feeling towards him. And um, But he, he wasn't mad at people in New York. Uh, he's like, actually, he missed New York. He kept yeah. telling me, I, I miss New York so much. He's like, I miss going to the bodegas, man. He's like, I miss Puerto Ricans. He's like, I want to see a Puerto Rican. You know when I fly him out there, I just want to see him. A bit like, You're crazy, man. And uh, he never forgot anything. So things people say about the guy is crazy because all he did was ever show me love. And he didn't, he didn't forget nothing. He telling me stories that I forgot. And I'm like, wow, man. He's like, that's why I love you, man. You let me hang out with you. Nobody knew me, man. And the same thing with Big. Big was... I mean, he was cool with me all day long. I had a birthday party, and I'm walking down the street on 42nd, get ready to go to the club, and everybody running at me going, yo, yo, Biggie, Biggie's at your party. Biggie's at your party. I'm like, huh? Everybody was going crazy, so I walked in. He's like, yo, love, I knew it was your birthday. I had to be here, baby. I had to be here. And he started hugging me, you know? So that vibe was beautiful, too, as well. I mean, just the wrong things happened in between them people. You know, that's when Yes Men get involved, and... People that have in your corner that ain't really down for you, just trying to get what they could get and destroy the whole big thing, man. Word up. Now, switching speeds real fast, man. On June 20th, 2017, hip-hop lost one of his dopest brains and one of his greatest voices. Talk about Prodigy from Mob Deep. Uh, one half of one of the most legendary duos of hip-hop, man. When you really, like, you know, do your hip-hop Googles and you think back on, like, just duos who've been killing it in the game for years, I mean, like, you know, there's people that you automatically think of, the Eric B's and Rakim's, the EPMD's, the Dog Pounds, uh, some say Tribe Called Quest, even though in my head they were like a quartet. Not really a duo, MOP, Gangstar, but at the end of the day, Mob Deep for a certain era of time, man. Mob Deep was ultra lit. And for those who don't know Prodigy's backstory, man, uh, you know, all throughout his life, he suffered with sickle cell anemia. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a bloodborne disease that, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, makes it seem like your whole entire body is having a heart attack. Like any place where, where blood flows, you feel pain. Now, there's been a lot of advancements in sickle cell anemia uh, treatment and care. Um, you know, there's like, you know, bone marrow transplants that can uh, damn near cure it. Um, there's also, uh, you know, hemp oil, marijuana oil, stuff like that, that can kind of keep the pain at bay. But, you know, sometimes there's still some things that come along with that. Um, you know, you'll have to take, uh, if you get the bone marrow uh, transplant, you'll have to, you know, be on anti-rejection medication for the rest of your life to keep everything at bay. But I don't know what his situation was, but he soldiered on for 42 years. He was rocking shows still. I think uh, it was like June 11th for 
June 10th or something like that. He rocked Summer Jam, you know, to a, a damn sold out stadium. Then he went on tour for Ice T's Art of Rap tour, did a hellified show. And then the next day he ended up in a hospital. The day after that, he passed away. So rest in peace to Prodigy from Mob Deep. Uh, big shout out to his family, his kids. Big shout out to his partner, Havoc, who I know has to be going through it because, like, you know, when you work with somebody for that long, you know, 20 plus years, you know, they part of your DNA. They're like, you know, shoot, more than family at that point. But anyway, uh, I ran into my sister, Moni Love. I had to bring her in to talk about some of her fondest Prodigy memories. What up? And the crazy thing about hip hop is, like, how many different people that it uh it, it reaches out to and touches and yeah. crosses path with i got my homegirl moni love in the building yeah friend to the podcast yeah, yeah friend yeah. in real life uh and you actually got a chance to like you know meet prodigy like way oh, back in the I days right no, i remember when they were fresh out the bag because they're like the little brothers to my set mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so they're they mob deep and the nazis and all of that they're who immediately came behind us as the native tongues and stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's why you see such relationships between um, Q-Tip and A Tribe Called Quest right. and Mob Deep and Nas and Large Professor and let Large Professor kind of like the glue with all the groups and Akineli and it, there's this whole Queens thing going on. Now, Moni, so like if you was to break down like hip hop and like in the generations and the way they ride, right? What generation would you consider Mob Deep? Like, you know, let's just say if like guys like Grandmaster Cass, Treacherous Three, uh, you know. Middle school. I call it middle school. So old school guys like Grandmaster Cass, mm -hmm. middle, is middle school before after new school? Um, New school, I kind of, because of, you know, Charlie Brown and all of them, I kind of pin that to them in that era. Okay. You know, so that would kind of be us, okay. you know? Because they, they, were, they were like, the, the <clears throat> leaders were like one of the last groups within the native tongues kind of thing between them and black sheep, you know? So they're kind of like the tail end of us. And then after us comes what I call like to call middle school, which is, you know, Mob Deep, Nas. Despite the fact that they were kind of bubbling. Right. During that time when we were all, the native tongues was it. Prodigy was bubbling. Like, Prodigy was on, um, I can't remember what movie soundtrack it was, but he was on a High Five song. Really? Yes. The By himself. Guys? By himself. I gotta go dig that up. That, that yeah. flew right by me. Yeah. And it was a movie soundtrack. What movie soundtrack was a High Five song? So it was Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, there's a High Five song. I'm doing my Googles. You do it right now. There's a High Five song on the Boys in the Hood soundtrack. And I should know the track listing because I am actually on that soundtrack also. And I got a plaque for uh, the song. Um, yeah. That's the soundtrack. High Five have a song on it. Uncon no, no. that's not, no, no. Uh, Let's see. Go through it. Uh, let's see. Work It Out. I remember Work It Out on yes, there. Yes. Work It Out was uh, on there. That's young. me. Too young. They were Prodigy. Called, they were called the High Five. Prodigy did a rhyme on that song by himself. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna pull this down and I'm gonna play it right here. Oh snap! Wow. Who would See, like it's cool bringing in other hip hop nerds such as myself. Yeah, we so are we the can, nerds. Like you know, we you definitely know, are the nerds. Yeah. So you know, so in your interactions with Prodigy, yeah, like what kind of guy was he? 
cocky the same way he rhymed I could not believe these two little 17 year old E&J plastic cup sipping tough talking dudes that really thought that their chain hanging down to their privates just made their privates swell and be so much bigger for them to say the things they say and do the things they do I remember being outside I think it was an SWV um, show like when SWV was first coming out I don't they were there SWV was there and some other groups were there I don't know what it was exactly but the two little 17 year old boys that everybody was seeing on Yo MTV raps in their video uh, was there and I went down to the parking lot to get in my car and they were like there hanging out in the parking lot sitting on top of some car or whatever and then the both of them were like yo son and they really talk like that with each other Yeah. yo done that's Moni Love right there done like da 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 you know and I'm the grown woman that has to deal with little boys in hip hop having crushes on me at that time but that's like kind of the like your whole life though you've kind of got are you immune to it at this point or no but then it was like and it was just like all sorts have had a crush on me there was the earthy guys and then there was these two little like straight you know uh project courtyard plastic cut <laughs> hennessy sipping teenagers like yo done yeah yo like, fun fact you know where the done language came from Go ahead. They had a friend who had a speech impediment. Wow. And he couldn't say son. So every time you say son, he said done. Done. And they just ran with they it. They ran with it. But that is the brilliance of Prodigy and Mob Deep as a whole. Like, You're right. You know, I was like breaking down some of the lyrics the other day on a radio show. And like, you know, Prodigy said, I'm only 19. But, but my, my mind, mind is, is old. old. That just speaks volumes. It really does. And it did for that time, too, because you have to remember it was at that time that the you know, guns in the hands of teenagers epidemic was like prevalent, mm -hmm. which is why it, it, it reflects itself a lot in a lot of the music that was coming out from the artists at that time. They were young kids and it was like guns in the hoods was just like the new epidemic at that time. And, you know, people all the time are quick to say, ah, music doesn't make people behave badly. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. Because like as a kid, a youth dem <laughs> I would throw on some mob deep and like and granted I'm in high school but I was always on some advanced level stuff I'm in high right. school but I'm also a front lane supervisor at Target <laughs> so I'm at work I got mob deep in my system you know rocking you just, my red yeah you khaki. just focused yo focus but with an attitude with an attitude yo, done. that's take funny your, take your break done <laughs> people in Texas like what are you talking about that's so funny yo, done. take your break yo I'll tell you what it felt really fun to be the, you know, the lyrical earthy girl from Native Tongue Click and like hard rock, little hard headed 40 drinking uh, teenagers having a crush on me. That was hilarious to me. No, it totally makes sense because like, you know, dude, people always are attracted to their opposites. I think sometimes because so we couldn't have we were polar. We were artistically polar opposites. But the intelligence in which you guys both exude I think is the common point in which brings you guys together. You're, you're right. And I thought it was cute that I actually checked them in the parking lot that night and I put them in their place and they stayed in that place happily for the rest of uh, the time that we all knew each other. And, you know, of course, Havoc is still here with us but, and he still has this attitude towards me and Prodigy had this towards me up, up until when he passed. I told them that night in the garage, I am your big sister. Know that, learn it, love it. That's what it will be <laughs> forever. Prodigy love. I would have been here for that. <laughs> Prodigy love. That could have been a thing. Like, it could have totally been a thing. What is your favorite Prodigy verse or song of all time? I would like my favorite Prodigy quote 
because I can't say favorite song because there's just too much too much happening but one of my favorite things that he says that transcends time for me is um y'all um y'all y'all figures make me laugh y'all all ass I don't give a f how much you sold your ish trash word and that's from Keep It Thorough. Yeah, and that's from like, you know, like 2000, 2001-ish, yes. two-ish. Yes. And that still like echoes true today. Exactly. I don't, to me, that's my, my, my train of thought. I don't gauge things by how many followers you have on social networking, how many records you sold, which now that's not even happening anymore. So now it's how many times you stream. Mm. I don't care. Okay. The proof of the pudding for me as a consumer is very much in the content and the quality of what it is you do. And staying power, because like I got And staying you, power. You could listen to I mean, even going back to juvenile hell, peer pressure. Right. Um right. like it still it still sounds great mm -hmm. in twenty seventeen, just like it did in nineteen ninety, I guess two, two or three when that when that project dropped. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, you know, timeless material. Uh thank you so much for your your input. No, and, I'm like, so glad to have been uh on hand to be able to have this conversation with you. It's important that we do have these conversations with each other, mm -hmm. especially in like, you know, broadcasting platforms. We so help that each we can other cope. Yeah, so that we can help each other cope and so that we can also like continue let the stories continue yo if, if everybody's listening like you know the cool thing is like you know while you know like the day after you know prodigy's passing like me and money running back and forth what, what are you guys playing over there yeah what are you playing over that's there? the like, dopest part that yeah, is the and dopest it, and it sucks part that we, we're, we're in a format where like someone has to die in order for us to be able to rock out and play certain joints yeah you know it, yeah. It, with great pride and pleasure you know uh, i was able to play shook ones mm -hmm. you know on the radio for like you know however many markets yeah that listen to the morning show yeah. and it just sucks that somebody had to pass away for that to happen. for that to happen yeah that's the sucky part so you know these conversations that we have behind the scenes a lot amongst ourselves crack we need we need to have those a lot more like on pub on on you know on our platforms indeed Indeed, indeed. <laughs> without having a Russian play a song, you know we'll, what I'm saying? We'll cut the commercial because you and I are good for our hallway meetings. Oh yeah, <laughs> little powwows. So yeah, well, th well thank you for powwowing with me on the no problem. podcast. No problem. R.I.P. Prodigy. Don't forget, be sure you check out All Eyes on Me. It's still in theaters right now. You still ain't going to see it yet? Have nope. You? Oh man, not well, going. You know, so I'll wait. So in, on this episode of the podcast, I've already talked to Jamal Gravy Woodard. I've already talked to uh, Willard. I've already talked to. Um, uh, Demetrius Ship Jr. and Cat Graham and Cat Graham. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, I've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. It's a story. It's not going to be accurate. Like, you have to squeeze someone's life of twenty five years into two hours. Mm -hmm. A couple points will be missed. Uh, and and, and, and it, at the end of the day, it was a great movie, and I wanted to hate it. I walked in there with my fist ball, <laughs> like Arthur in those memes, mm -hmm. wanting to hate the movie. <laughs> and it was, it was. I actually walked out of there pretty impressed. Okay. Like, uh, there was a couple of notes that they, I felt like they could have hit, mm -hmm. that they didn't. But, you know, it's like a two and a half hour movie. Because we can't really just Avenger this and make it a part one, Avenger two, and three. it. You're so funny. These girls don't have, we don't got time for that, right? <laughs> right. So, but, yo, like, I'm, when it comes out on DVD, can you promise you'll come by the crib and we'll watch it? Maybe. Okay. I might skip it completely. What if I what if I did a super dope director's edit where like I spliced Notorious and All Eyes on Me in a one film? You're just being so ridiculous now with this wanting me to see it. It's half the same actors. <laughs> <laughs> we can totally do And actually, if you really want to get fancy, I can splice straight out of Compton, Notorious and All Eyes on Me in like that. one okay. epic film. It's going to be Godfather Overkill. long. Overkill. 
<laughs> it's gonna be Godfather. You know, they, they use the same sugar. Oh my goodness, overkill. Anyway, that's it, man. After hours podcast episode one. Shout out to Moni Love. Shout out to Demetrius Ship Jr. Shout out to Cat Graham. Shout out to Greg Nice. Mm. And shout out to Jamal Gravy Woolet. We'll see you next time. We gonna hit the block. We out. Got to. Yeah. Yeah.